our next book, the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. And as we're going to Ecclesiastes 12, I've been talking, guys, about discipline, learning to be obedient in our lives to the things of God. And I believe this is one way we jump into all that God has for us. The only way I get the blessings of God is I begin to live for God. And I'm not saying that legalistically. Man, I, I got a desire to live for God. I want to live for God. I don't look at the Ten Commandments that I have to. I want to do those. Now, part of us jumping into all that God has for us, we need to love what God says to love. You know, God said that His love will cover a multitude of sins. God wants you to love your life. God wants you to love yourself. Oh, no. Some of you are saying, I'm supposed to love myself? Yeah, you are, and I don't say that arrogantly or, or pridefully. God created you, so you ought to love you. You know, this may be a big revelation to some of you tonight, but you're the one person you're never going to get away from. Everywhere you go, you're always going to be there 24-7, so you might as well start learning to love yourself where you like yourself. Because one thing I understand is you cannot give away what you don't have, okay? You can't do that. You know, in, in Psalm eighteen nineteen, this is a good one. Psalm eighteen nineteen, King David said this. He said, the Lord delivered me because he delighted in me. David said, the Lord delivered me because he delighted in me. Now, I could ask a lot of you right now to say that about yourself. Ooh, God delights in me. God, and some of you would, you would uh, stop it. You'd say, I can't say that. Well, why? This is what the Bible says. God delights in me. God delights in you. And this is why we need to get in the Bible and find out what God says to us and then begin to obey the Bible. When I live and, and obey the Bible, you know what happens? God starts getting on the inside of me. And then I can start enjoying life because I start living life through Jesus. And if God delights in me, then you know what? I might as well delight my own self. You know, in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah said this, that God, He doesn't think bad thoughts of me, but His thoughts toward me are those of peace and of hope, and He wants to give me a future. God's thoughts toward you are thoughts of good and not evil. And so, man, we got to get into this. You know, I could stand up here right now and I could say, man, I love myself. And some of you would cringe at that thought. Would you like me better if I said, well, God hates me? I hate myself? No. But a lot of people feel that way. I cannot find one scripture in the entire Bible that tells us we are to hate ourselves. There's not any. You can look all you want. God didn't tell us to do that. So, in saying that, man, we got to get a hold of this. Now, here's the guy in Ecclesiastes, the last book, chapter 12, named Solomon. Solomon was King David's son. Solomon was known as one of the most wise men ever. Now, in Solomon's life, he had everything imaginable that a human being could have on this earth. He tried to experience everything that the world said would make you happy, and none of it did. And when you look at this, Solomon's life would be defined as the guy who you said, I've done that. I've tried that, I've experienced that, and none of it is what the world told me it would be. So look, look at one verse there, verse number 13. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, 
Fear God. You know what that means? Ooh, I'm to reverence God. I'm to praise God. I'm to honor God. Fear God. And keep or do His commandments. The message says, do what He tells you to do. And so as I look at this right here, it's not just enough for us to know about God. We must begin to know Him. We must begin to follow Him. We must begin to devote our lives to Him. And when we begin to do this and we hook up to God, God's going to bless us. And so here Solomon is at the end of his life. He's looking in the rearview mirror of his life. And this is his thought. Fear God. Obey His commandments. For this is man's all. This is it. And you know, here's a man who I said, he experienced everything. 750 wives. Bless him, Father. Bless him. But he says, this is the conclusion. This is it. This is man's all. And so, as you look at this, if you want to live a life of purpose, of, of joy, of fulfillment... Here's the, here's the ticket right here. That I learned to fear God. That I learned to obey His commands. You know, and what happens with most of us in our lives, we try everything the world has to offer. I tried that, guys. I tried all that. And you know, the world would tell you, man, all you need to do is drink a little more tonight. And then I found out the next morning, you woke up and you felt bad. And then they say, man, you need to get a, a stronger drug. You need this, you need that. And what ends up happening is you begin to look at life and you think, if this is all there is to life, I might as well die. But I can tell you, guys, it's not all there is to life. And I believe this is what Solomon is talking about. But too many times, most human beings, two areas they don't like. We don't like to come under authority to anybody. And we don't like to be held accountable to anybody. That's most of us in this room. But I'm going to tell you, I've got to learn to, to become accountable to God and live under His authority. See, we have this idea, no God, no rules. No God, no guidelines. And this is what Solomon's saying. Man, we've got to get back with the things of God. Now, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5. And each one of us, we've we got to quit living our life without God. And this takes a, a commitment to say, okay, Father God, I'm going I'm to follow you wholeheartedly. I'm going to follow you with everything i got. And the reason I'm getting on this, guys, we're, we're closing out on a year. And, you know, we could go around the room and some of you would say, man, 2011. Ooh, it was a great year. Some of you would say it was so-so. Oh, some of you would say, I can't wait till it's over. But what we got to look at is, I can't change this past year, but I can begin to look at next year and say, okay, I'm going to make some changes in my life. Hebrews 5, begin with me, verse 12. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers, by this time, you need someone to teach you again. Interesting. You know what he's telling us here? You didn't get it the first time. You ought to be teachers by now, but since you're not, you need someone to teach you again. And what does he need to teach us again? Look what he said. The first principles, the basics, the fundamentals of the oracles, 
the speech or the word of God. Hmm. And I look at that and I think, you know what this tells me? We are ones right here that if we fall in this, we've heard the truth before. We just hadn't acted on it. We hadn't lived it. We hadn't obeyed it. And he says here, basically, if you will begin to hear the word and you'll begin to apply the word, your word, the word of God, it'll change you. The word of God will change. If you get into the word of God, guys, the word of God will change you. I don't care who you are. You start speaking the word and living by the word. It'll change you. And so right here he's telling us. You got to get back to the word. You have come to need milk. And not solid food. And so you know what I believe he's telling us. Our, our slothful attitude. Toward hearing the word of God. Has caused us not to grow spiritually. And so you got to understand this, guys. you got to keep pressing in. i got to keep pressing into the Word of God every day. Every day. i got to get, get the things of God in my life. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the Word. He's unskilled in his thoughts and he's unskilled in his actions. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. And so when you look at this, you know what we can, we can apply here? We got to grow up. We got to get off the bottle. We got to begin to, to go after the things of God. To understand it and then begin to live it. Now when I look at this verse, I think about a baby. And when you think about a baby, a baby is dependable on everyone else. A baby doesn't do nothing for himself. You gotta feed him, you gotta bathe him, you gotta put him, every bit of that. And so even right here, I believe the Lord is saying spiritually, there's a time for each one of us that we must learn to grow up. We must get a hold of the Word of God. Understand it. Live it and obey it. Think about this in the natural. How would you like to be working down in the nursery tonight and have to change the diaper of a 30-year-old? Oh, happy day. A 40-year-old, a 50-year-old. Now, just think about that. In the natural, we would... If, if we went down there and, and Ken down here, Ken, he's in his late 30s. He grins. Ken's down here in the nursery tonight, and all of a sudden, Maria's sitting here, and she sees his number come up. What would we think in the natural? We'd say, man, guys, somebody's got to help Ken. He's still got to have his diet. See, and so in the natural, we look at that. I don't know about you, my grandkids are four and six now. The thought of me having to change their diaper, Poppy don't do diapers. And so even at four and six, I look at that and I think, they ought to be potty trained at that age. Well, what about this in the spirit realm? I've always wondered this, that when the angels are moving about, and the angels, you know, you study the scriptures, they're all over the place. I wonder if when they fly over us, they can tell. Oh, Gabriel, stay, stay away from him. He got a dirty diaper. I've really wondered if they can't tell about how we are spiritually. And I really, when I read these passages, I think, well, if they can, how do they look at me? 
I don't want them to say, man, that boy needs to get off the pacifier. He needs to grow up. Keep reading. Just thoughts of mine. Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. Solid food belongs to those who are mature. Now, you don't understand this spiritually. Spiritually, age has nothing to do. You don't become spiritual just because you start getting older. You come spiritual or mature based on how well you receive the Word of God and you obey the Word of God and you start living it. So this is what he's talking about. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use the best translation I got was those by reason, it says, not by use, but were pra- or trained by practice. And so I look, and the only way we grow spiritually is we're trained by practice. We keep doing the Word, and I look at the word use here. Full age is those who by reason of use. Let me ask you right now. What are you doing with what you hear? And this is one of the things the Lord has been, he's been, he's been after me in a good way. Certain areas of my life, I've got to become more disciplined. Because I, I, I realize with the Word of God, if I'll keep applying the Word of God, I'm going to grow. I'm going to have fruit. Think about this with a baby. You start feeding a little baby, and man, the majority of what you jab in their mouth, you know what, they spit up. It's all over their chin, and... You know, I, I remember feeding my kids years ago, and those old sweet potatoes, that nasty stuff, you think, God, I don't know how they're eating that stuff. But just because they would spit it back up, you didn't quit feeding them, did you? No, you took that little spoon and you'd rake their little chin, and you'd get it back on there, and then you'd wait for that precise moment, and you'd jab it back in. And you knew this, if I jab it back in there enough, some of us just going to slide down. Why did you keep doing that? Because you knew for their growth, for their existence, they had to have it. Well, I think about that with the Word of God. If we can keep getting the Word in us, and I think the Lord says sometimes like, angels, you've got to get His mouth open. We've got to get some of that down in Him today. Because you know what? God is looking for growth in every one of us. And so when I keep reading these things, if I don't hear the Word of God and discipline my life with it and say, okay, Lord, grace me today. It's one of the greatest prayers you can say. Grace me today, Father God. Help me to let Your Word be fulfilled in my life. Now, let's go to Luke 13. Luke 13. You know, the only one knows where you're at in life is you. That's it. And we're the only ones that know where we're at as far as our growth, our walk with God. Luke 13, verse 6. Talking here about Jesus. He also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking or looking for fruit on it and found none. And so this is Jesus' words. Now, I want you to look at something. He came seeking fruit. What kind of fruit do you think the Lord would come in here looking for us in our lives? He would look at the fruit of how well we love, how well we forgive, how well we obey, 
And so when we look at what Jesus was talking about, He was talking about kingdom fruit. And in every one of our lives, guys, this is what Jesus is going to look for in our lives. What type of fruit will He find on us? Ooh, this gets good. Verse 7. Then He said to the keeper of His vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree. Now, I've read this parable I don't know how many times. And as I began looking at it the other day, when Jesus said here, I came looking for three years, something began to jump out on me right there. Why would Jesus specifically mention how many years? Is there a window of three years that Jesus really begins to look at us and say, Boy, I've given you three years. What have you done in three years? And so Jesus here, He says, I gave Him three years, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I found none. So when I read this, you know what the, the Word says to me right here? Christianity is more than a one-time prayer. It's more than one, a one-time trip down here to the altar and said, I received Jesus, now hostile lasagna, when I die, Lord Jesus, I'll see you in heaven. Other than that, don't bother me. You're saved. See, that's what we've told people. If that was the case, then why did Jesus right here come specifically for fruit? Now, when he found none, ooh, this is rugged right here, verse 7. He said, cut it down. Cut it down. Whoa! I look and I think, so if Jesus came looking for fruit in my life tonight and I didn't have any, cut it down. And he goes on to say, because, look, why does he use up the ground? Why does he waste up the ground? One translation says, why does he deplete it? In other words, I'm not going to bother with people who aren't going to have fruit. I knew you guys would like this. Verse 8. But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also. He said, sir, let it alone this year. This year. Now this was the command that Jesus made here. And I looked and first he started out and said, I gave him three years and he didn't do nothing with it. Now this one says, he got a year. He's got a year. And I thought, how well does this fit in with what we're talking about tonight? That here we're at the end of 2011, and I asked, if you had to go back and, and rate your 2011, or look at the fruit in your life in 20, what would you say? I flunked, Lord. The 2011's over. We're fixing to start 2012 now. Next year at this time, guess what's going to happen? We're going to be able to look in the rearview mirror of 2012 and say, did I grow this year? Did I get in my life where I begin to have kingdom fruit? And you know what? He, he didn't say here that the fruit on your tree, that he was looking for figs that were the size of pineapples. I guess pineapples aren't that quite big. Some of you said those are pineapples on steroids. No, he just said he was looking for fruit. Now I think about fruits in all different sizes. I mean, you look at a peanut, that's not very, but it's fruit. And so I believe this, as long as we start growing and we start having fruit in our life, 
Man, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. The reason Jesus is always looking for fruit in our lives, because it means we're going to have a better life. If I learn to walk in love better, and things are going to happen. Okay, so he says here, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and I fertilize it. Now, how would we fertilize our, our lives biblically? Gotta get in the word. We gotta, we gotta learn to pray. We gotta learn to seek God. We gotta learn to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I've tried to do all this on my own. I'd see where I got, so I'm just gonna yield to you. Now, when we think about fertilizer, what would fertilizer do for your lawn? It would develop your lawn. It would mature your lawn. It would give your lawn nutrients in saying that, right? I begin to read this in other translations, and you know what the Amplified said for fertilizer? It said manure. So you know what I'm telling you today? You need some more manure. And I don't know about you, have any of you ever put manure on your yard? Man, the day you put it out there, it's the farthest thing from perfection. The smell, the, the worst thing you can do is forget it's on there and go out and get your paper the next morning with no shoes on. There's some serious consequences when you do that stuff. But when I look at this and he said, I want to put some fertilizer on it. And so let's put in there the, the, the phrase manure. And so when you put that manure on there, and as long as you keep watering it, and it begins to soak in, guess what happens? Your grass begins to respond. Your garden begins to respond. And you scratch your head and you think, that's a mystery. This stuff looked dead a couple days. Look at it now. Look at this. You'll go out with your wife and say, look. look." Why? Because we let that manure sit on it. And as long as that manure sit on it, it was pumping in the nutrients. Well, see, this is what happens with the Word of God. It, it, It won't happen overnight, guys. But you let the manure soak in on you, the Word of God, the things of God. It's working. And as long as you leave it on your yard, it's working. And I think about this. Sometimes the manure in our life, that's the only way we grow. The only time you ever learn to forgive is when you have to forgive. So you know what I pray? I pray you get a lot of manure on you. The only way you'll ever learn to walk in love is when you got love. The only way you ever learn to walk in faith is when you got to believe God for something. And so if people said to me tonight, well, I wish I had this, I wish I had that. You know what I tell them? I pray you get more manure in your life. Well, I wish I was like Ken. No, I pray you get more manure in your life. Well, I wish, no, I just pray you get more manure in your life. So some of you are going to go to work tomorrow and they say, well, you went to church last night? What would you learn? We need more manure in our life. Pretty simple, though, when I look at this and I begin to see But I looked real closely at Jesus' words here. What he said. And so, what's Jesus after? He's after fruit, but you know what he tells us? How to get the fruit. you got to get in that fertilizer. Get in there. Now, look what happens, verse 9. And if it bears fruit, well... But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Whoa! Now, when we really read the Bible, man, I'm telling you, this stuff can come after you when you begin to look at it, that Jesus is looking at every one of our lives for fruit. And you know what he says? If there is no fruit, cut it down. 
Cut it down. Now, guys, I didn't write this. I wrote, or Jesus wrote this. This is the Word of God. But I look at it and I think, how does this apply in my life? There's some years, guys, I can tell you, I've had incredible growth in my life. How do you know that? Well, I, I quit doing stupid things with my flesh. I quit saying the things. But then there's other years in my life where I think, man, alive. Ooh, a year or two ago, I was so glad when I think it was 20, 2009 or 2010 was over. I think, thank God that year's over. I didn't like it. It wasn't a good year. And it seemed like I battled that whole year. But I understand this right now. It's kind of like what happened to us here in Lubbock this year in the weather. There's been years we've had abundance of rain, and last year, it was bad. But what'd we do? You sucked it up and you kept going and you kept going and we kept praying. Well, that's the same with our life spiritually. There's going to be seasons that are going to be where you've got abundance of rain in your life. And there's going to be seasons spiritually where you're going to have to fight the drought. You read Ecclesiastes 3, it says, there's a season for everything. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to cry. You can keep looking at it. So you know what's going to happen in life? We're going to go through some cycles. But even in those tough years, put the manure on. Get it on. Oh my gosh, I needed to get to James. But you know what? We're not going to do it. We're going to stand on our feet. We're going to make the nursery workers happy tonight.